Amen and amen. You're in a church full of believers today. Hallelujah. And I pray that if you haven't come to saving faith, that you will believe on Christ today and let the power of His resurrection begin to affect you. Jesus is alive and well. We used to sing it on Easter morning so many times, and we're going to, going to close with a song in just a few moments. But I want to read a scripture to you on that theme. We're teaching on that theme, a post-resurrection uh, message on the radio and we're i'm enjoying the teaching once again revisiting the resurrection we began the tuesday before easter with our broadcast with the hope of easter uh, but then after easter is over our next broadcast uh, will be jesus is alive and well because the resurrection is not something you celebrate something that came and stopped it's just like christmas it's perpetual it's an own going thing. Uh, the book of Revelation is an intriguing book. Most people look at it, uh, look at, it, at the sensational parts of it, uh, at the part of the plagues and the part of the, the revelation of the Antichrist and all of those things. But it doesn't begin that way. That's not what it's really all about. It's contained within it, uh, but that's not what it's all about. It begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. A lady was disappointed. She came for a study on the book of Revelation because she was trying her best, reading all the prophecy books and trying to put them all together and figure out who the Antichrist was. Uh, and uh, so I began teaching on who Jesus Christ is from the book of Revelation. And she was disappointed. She let me know. She came with her daughter. They sat through the first uh, part of that. And she said, I really wanted to know after the service. I love folks like this. I just wish we had a bunch of them. But anyway, uh, not really. But anyway, she, she was not at all interested because, you know, some things we think are a given. I know who Jesus is. I know that as a given. Tell me something I don't know. Well, you're not going to know. And no one's going to know until it's time for him to be revealed. You can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Your favorite Bible teacher can't figure it out because they've been figuring it out. In fact, they were trying to figure out when Jesus was coming. I've got a little booklet that I had, and I can't find it. I wish I could bring it. Eighty-eight reasons. It's sold all over the country. Eighty-eight reasons why Jesus will come in 1988. And there was Bible, 88 Bible verses. He had somehow did the math and figured out the timeline and said, he's got to come back in 1988. And one uh, Christian broadcasting network uh, had on the time that they had set, had a loop just inviting people to salvation because they believed they were going in the rapture and the broadcast would go on. And, of course, that didn't happen. There was a billboard I looked at on the way home. A man made a prediction, had a big following of people join him, thought he was a sage in Scripture. He made a prediction of the date and the time. Hurry up and get into the ark because Jesus uh, is coming on this date. Date setting is not a biblical thing. Amen. Amen. That's why there's so many scoffers right now. So many people have set dates and it didn't happen. They say, where's the sign of His coming? For ever since our fathers went to sleep, everything continues as it is to this day. But not God is not slack concerning His promises. He won't even let them provoke Him in coming prematurely. Well, why doesn't He just come on? Because there's still souls that need Him, and there's still a work to be done, and He's not going to be goaded in to a to a He He's not going to be goaded into coming back for His church 
Just like he was not goaded in coming off of that cross. They told him, if you're the son of God, you got all of that power. Why don't you come off of that cross? The thief on the other side of him said the same thing. Said, if you got all this power, why don't you save yourself and save us from this crucifixion? God would not let man in his blasphemous attitudes provoke him. He's going to come in the fullness of time and our job is to be ready. But I do believe we're in the last, I'm not date setting as a specific, but I believe that we can have a general sense that we are in the last of the last days. And I believe Jesus coming is very soon. And if he don't come tomorrow, I may go to him tomorrow. So I want to be just as, listen, if you're ready to die in the morning, you're ready to die tonight, you're ready for the coming of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're ready to die right now, and you're not afraid of that, and you have absolutely no doubt what's going to happen when you draw your last breath, you're ready for the coming of Jesus whenever it occurs. Amen? It's the same faith. It's really the same thing. Whether Jesus comes for me to take me to heaven before His coming for the whole church, He's coming. Hallelujah. And I am ready. We used to sing, I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl. Keeping my records bright, watching both day and night. I'm getting ready to leave this world. My pastor, way back when I was a young Christian, amen, he said, we can't sing it like that in light of the prophetic scriptures. we got to sing it this way. I am ready. Jesus said, be ye also ready. You can't be getting ready. You got to be ready when he comes because he's going to come in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Amen. The parable of the of the 10 virgins. Amen. You got to be ready. Your lamp has to be trimmed and burning. Amen. Those that did not have their lamp trimmed and burning, amen, were not ready. And when the cry came, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Those who had their lamps trimmed and and burning went out to meet him. And the others who were not ready didn't have time to get ready. Can you say amen? So I teach people, amen, now is the day of salvation. This is the accepted time. For those of you in this room that are saying, someday when my partying's over, someday when I've sinned out and I'm too old to have fun anymore like that for the flesh, then I'll come to Christ and become like one of you, you know, joyless Christians. I've seen a lot of faces on Sunday morning. And I've seen some Christians that look like they've been, you know, Vance Havner, the great preacher of old, said, I've seen happier faces on iodine bottles. Now, you younger people don't know what face is on an iodine bottle. But it's the same one that's on that pirate flag. It's cr- skull and crossbones saying it's poison. Can you say amen? We, we don't always represent the kingdom with the joy that's available to us. I want to be an exception to that rule. I want to be somebody that's, listen, the fact that death is not going to hold me, Brother Sean, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing to lay your head down at night and know if you don't wake up here, you're going to wake up there. Amen. We used to tell people as Christians, greeting one another, see you there in the air. Amen. If, if Jesus comes, I'll see you in the air. Otherwise, I'll see you at that appointment. But one way or the other, I'm going to see you again. Somebody asked me, Brother Venable, will we be known in heaven? The Bible said we'll be known as we are known. Amen. You're not going to get a different body. You're not going to be some kind of platypus. Platy- 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 
platypism, plasma. You're not going to be some kind of ghost floating around without a body. Jesus rose with a glorified body, but it was a body. And they couldn't believe he was alive in his body. See, you've got to believe more than that he spiritually rose. You've got to believe that he bodily rose from the dead. And became the first fruits of them that slept. And we criticized Thomas, but it was hard to believe the people that saw him beaten and saw him die. And then saw him alive in his body. Wow, not like a hologram, some ghostly figure, but in his physical body. Thomas said, I just can't believe this. I want to believe it, but it's hard to accept seeing you die, seeing you buried, and seeing you alive in your body. And Jesus pulled his robe back and put his wrist out from under the sleeves and said, Come here, Thomas. Stick your hand in the holes in my wrist and stick your hand in the wound in my side. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I love Job. It's the old, one of the oldest books in the Bible is the book of Job. And you know the story. (laughs) Satan came up to accuse Job before God. And he wasn't supposed to be there. He was banned. He's been cast down. And yet this angel that has been cast out of heaven shows up. God said, what are you doing here? And God knew what he was doing there. God knows everything. He sees the end from the beginning. Searches the deep things. That's why I like to be real honest and truthful with him. Because he knows. He don't just know what we're like in church. He knows what we're like before we get in church. He don't just know what we do while we're here. He knows what we're going to do when we leave here. Can you say amen? The Bible said there's nothing hid from the eyes of Him whom we have to do. So He allowed something that is forbidden. He allowed for a purpose, Satan, to ascend. And He said, what are you doing here? By the way, you'll understand this story better if you understand what the word devil means in the New Testament. Devil comes from the word diablos, and, and it means a maligner. That's, why the, that's someone that cuts you down. That's someone that finds every fault that you got. And somebody said, I ain't got none. That's the one he's really going to nail you with. Can you say amen? Amen. He's the one that wants to smear you. He's the one that wants to accuse you before the judge of the universe. He wants God to damn you because he can't. He wants God to destroy you because he can't. Hallelujah. He's the prosecuting attorney of the universe. He wants everyone to suffer with him in hell. He doesn't want to be there alone in his, in his damnation. He wants to take as many people with him. And he can't slap God. He can't hurt God. He can't fight God and win. The only thing he can do that will have an effect on God is to take the object of God's great love and grace and cause men and women boys and girls that are lost to go to hell that breaks the heart of god and he's only got a little while to do it and he's working overtime in our generation and i believe we need to do some catch-up we need a holy ghost revival to bring our families in to bring our children in and to stir us to be a living shining luminary for christ until he comes praise god 
But in the book of Revelation, no one is found to take the book. And without taking the book, there will be no heaven. There will be no new earth. Man will not be restored in that full-blown relationship with God. And John is weeping. And the angel says, don't weep, John. For the lion of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed. And he can take the book from him that sits upon the throne. And he can open the seals thereof. Judgments are going to fall and no one is qualified but him. But he is highly qualified. Back to the book of Job real quickly. In the book of Job, the devil says, I'm here to talk to you about all of those people you created. None of them, he told God, will serve you for nothing. If there isn't something physically, materially, in time, something they can see, feel, touch, and gain right here, right now, they won't serve you. They don't love you. They will not serve you. They're no good, none of them. They ain't worth saving. That's what he was saying. They have no eternal values. They don't love you, their creator. They, if you don't give them stuff, physical stuff, they won't serve you for naught, for nothing. And you know what God said? He said, have you considered my servant Job? The devil said, oh, I know about him. I know about your favor on him. I know about Job. But if you let me add him, there's a hedge around him. You blessed him and you put a hedge around him. It's so good to know who's in control when things seem out of control. Can you say amen? A hedge means a wall of righteousness and it is a spiritual wall that the enemy just can't penetrate. He'd destroy me today. You know what, you know what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, Satan had desired to have you and he didn't say it to Peter. The word is in the plural in the Greek. That means to have you all, all of you believers, all of you disciples. Come on, it wasn't just Peter he was after. I'm sorry to tell you this today, but he'd love to destroy you and your testimony and your faith as well. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And when he says abundant, don't, look, don't see Mercedes. God gives you one glory. Drive it, enjoy it, and give Him praise for it. But He didn't come. That abundance is not about things. That's what the devil was talking about. Jesus said this also for a man's life. What will man give in exchange for his soul? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Colossians 3 verse 1 through 4 says, If you be risen with Christ, if you've been born again, you need a value system that's beyond the things that the world is going after. If you be risen with Christ. Did you know the same power that raised Him from the dead is supposed to be indwelling every child of God today? And if you be risen with Christ, seek those things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And not the things upon the earth. Seek and then set your affection on things above. And verse 4 says, And mortify your members which are upon the earth. Don't let your flesh determine what your values are. Let your spirit that's been regenerated and resurrected dictate that to you.
Because if you're just serving God to get stuff, you're serving Him. You're serving Him for the wrong reason. First and foremost, you ought to be serving Him because He laid down His life to give you eternal life. You ought to be serving Him because you've escaped hell and gained heaven today. And if that isn't enough, there's nothing else in this world to compare with what we have in Jesus Christ today. Can you say amen? The devil said, let me take everything. Take the hedge down and I'll prove to you that no one loves you for you. And Job shook under his trials because the hedge came down and the devil was let loose against him. And it all happened together. It happened in a day. His fields burned. Someone come running to tell him his fields, all of his crops that had been blessed of God, protected by God, had burned up. His children were gathered together. In a house and a whirlwind came and the four posts of the house were smitten and it caved in on him and killed all of his kids. His crops are gone. His kids are dead. And while he was still speaking, they kept coming with more bad news and devastation and destruction. By the way, God says something else about Job. And we're none perfect after the flesh. But as far as his heart, he said, have you considered My servant Job, a perfect man. Don't be afraid that's going to befall you. I hate to tell you this on Sunday morning when you're all dressed up and feeling so good. You're not perfect yet. I I need a lot of work. And God is still working on me. Can you say, man, how many is God still working on? How many recognize you need a lot of work? (laughs) hallelujah but I want him to keep working because I want to grow in the Lord here I am almost 70 years of age been preaching the gospel for over 50 years and I still have a challenge from God I want to grow in the Lord and how do you grow in the Lord you become a more powerful preacher greater visions dreams anointing some bigger church no becoming more like my savior and my sovereign Jesus Christ That's what growing in the Lord is all about. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want to be more like my sovereign. I want to be more like my Savior. Glory be to God. Everything was lost. And then on top of that, Job, and probably because of the stress, doctors tell us, that Job's immune system was so compromised, he got boils all over his body. And they're painful. And his wife, oh, what a wife. I'm glad I got this lady right here instead of Job's wife. Job's wife came to him. She's supposed to be a help meet for him. And what does she say to him? Why don't you curse God and die? Look how he's done you. Job didn't understand it. He questioned God about it. And you know what? God told him, said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? That's called putting him in his place. Amen. The next time you want to accuse God instead of question yourself, God will put you in your place. Amen. The great discovery you need to make is that that his ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Somebody say how high. 
Scripture said as far as the heavens are above the earth. Everybody say that's a fur piece. Can you say, man, I'm from Kentucky. I can use that language. That's a fur piece. That's how high it is. Amen. That's why the Bible said when you put your trust in Him, you can't lean on your noggin. You can't lean on your noggin. Everybody got a noggin. Point at it. Oh, boy, we almost 100%. Amen. Almost 100% today. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. There's things I do not understand. I will not understand until I get to heaven. But there's a song we used to sing that says it best. Amen. We'll understand it better by and by. I'll ask the reason then and he'll tell me why. And I'll get it. If he told me why now, I probably wouldn't get it if he told me. But when I get home, I'll be able to comprehend what I can't comprehend now. But I know what I need to know because he's given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. Can you say man in Jesus Christ? Why don't you curse God and die? And God did something for Job in the old covenant. He dropped a revelation into Job's heart so he could see beyond his circumstance, beyond the grave, and beyond time itself. And Job, when his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Job stood up and cried aloud, I know my Redeemer lives. He looked down through the corridor of time. He saw Jesus on the cross. He saw Jesus off the cross. He saw Jesus in the tomb. He saw Jesus out of the tomb. And he saw Jesus coming again to rule and reign forever. Woo! And that's before the New Testament was written. What Redeemer can do this? I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, he saw it down to the end. He will stand upon the earth. And when he stands up, though I die, though he slay me, though the skin worms eat every piece of flesh off of my bones, yet when he stands up, I will stand up with him and in my flesh. It's the bodily resurrection. Oh, Casper, the ghost is not coming out of the ground. It's not your spirit that's coming out. It's your body, praise God, reconstituted. <laughs> Say, Brother Venable, what about people who have been burned up and blown up and eat up in the ocean? Doesn't matter. God's got your DNA. And He's going to reconstitute and resurrect this mortal body. Well, I know you when you get there. If you know me now, you're going to know me there. I'm just going to look more like Tom Cruise. I'm going to be young. When I was young, I never had muscles like this powerlifting man right here. But I want to tell you they were bigger than they are now. I could wear a sleeveless shirt. In the summer, if you go to a gym like I was, you always wear a sleeveless shirt. You want to hang that, you want to hang that arm out the window. I'm going to give you that one, Sean. Glad you're here today. He said the string, because I used to go in a gym where there was professional power lifters and bodybuilders, and I would go in, you know, after preaching, and, and I put on my, my little 
my little shirt. It wasn't a muscle shirt, you know, because I was a little intimidated by these real big guys. And uh, <laughs> I'd go in just for health initially to work out. I would go in, and all these professionals were in there, professional wrestlers, professional powerlifters, professional bodybuilders, and they were real serious about it. I would go in, and I remember a contestant for Mr. America at the time. The, he won the heavyweight division, not the overall of Mr. America. And he, I come in, and I, I got my little shirt on. It comes down to here. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher Bob, there's a string hanging out of your shirt. And he jerked my arm. So anyway, we can't all be, you know, we can't all be big and strong. But I'm going to tell you something. Satan is afraid of what happened. And he's afraid of that revelation. And he's afraid of that realization in the Christian life. Amen. The Bible said there's three things Paul said that God wanted you to know by revelation. In Ephesians chapter 17, it is the prayer of Paul. He said, I bow my knees. So he began to pray for the church, not just for that generation, but for all time. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. He said, I pray because you, can't, you, can, you can agree with this and give mental assent, but you can't tap into that power unless it's like it came to Job. It came by revelation. And God said, this is what Paul prayed for. He said, I pray that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that you might know what is number one, the hope of your calling. The hope of, oh, Brother Bevel, I know I'm going to live in heaven. I'm not talking about knowing it up here. I'm talking about knowing it in here and being so convinced of it that if death is trying to intimidate you, amen, that, that you're so convinced of the hope of heaven that you understand so clearly by revelation, amen, that to be absent from the body is not to be dead, but to be present with the Lord. Amen. The hope of your calling. Hallelujah. What is the hope of your calling? Amen. You have been called to salvation. You've been called to receive Jesus. They that were with Him were called, were, were, were called chosen and faithful. But it begins with call. And God wants you to know the hope of your calling because death can't quench it. Death can't conquer it. Hallelujah. You're a Christian. He wanted you to know the hope of your calling by revelation. And He wants you to know something else that we get backwards many times. He wants you to know the hope of your calling, He said, that you might know the hope of your calling, that you might know His inheritance in the saints. That's not knowing your inheritance in Christ. You need that too. But He wants you to know that you are His reward for hanging on that cross. A glorious bride made up of believers all over this world. John saw them coming in heaven. He said, I saw them coming. I saw them coming out of every culture, every language. I saw them coming all over the world. They were coming into God's holy city. Amen. And he said, who are these that are coming out of every, ki every kingdom and every nation and every tongue? Who are these people? All of them hollering hallelujah to the Lord. Who are these people? These are they that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen? When you, everybody's heard the jazz song that's really, a, they sing a lot in New Orleans. When the saints 
go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I won't. You've got to do more than want to be in that number. You've got to come to Christ and make sure you're in that number. Because that's a growing number. Even with religion and the Christian faith in particular under such attack today all over the world. It's a growing number. People are coming to Jesus all over this world. It is estimated in China that heavy persecutions coming against the church. It is estimated that 20,000 people per day in China are accepting Christ as their Savior. In a Marxist, atheistic communistic country where the church is persecuted. 20,000 people are coming to Jesus every day. Here we are in with freedom of religion and freedom to worship in America. Don't miss coming to Jesus. Don't miss it. People are coming to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something that a missionary said that kept them going and reaching, trying to reach others. No man deserves to hear the gospel twice. Until every man has heard the gospel once. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God is calling around this world because we are His reward for His suffering and dying on the cross. That's why the church is called the bride of Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's coming for a glorious church, and we are the bride of Jesus Christ. He wants you to know the hope of your calling by revelation, spirit of revelation, Holy Spirit revealing it to you in a way that goes beyond just your mental assent to it. I can tell the people that know it here. There are people in here that know it. Nothing can shake you from it. They could put a gun to your head right now and say, you either re- reject Christ or I'm going to pull the trigger. And, and with the Holy Spirit upon you and grace upon you, that wouldn't bother you at all. Now, there are those of you in here that you're scared to death. There, one, we got a rash of drivers getting on roads the wrong way. One just happened in Sefner, most of them on the interstate. Most of them are alcohol-impaired people that do that. But they're killing innocent people. And, and John had a near miss. How many weeks ago? Three weeks? Three weeks ago. The one that, that got up on the interstate. That uh, John just had to swerve, didn't you? To, to keep from being killed. Just on his way to work. You're on the interstate. You're in your lane. You're not expecting anything to happen. But somebody's coming at you at 70 miles an hour. You're coming at them at 70 miles an hour. You know how fast you're approaching impact? 140 miles an hour. That's how quick your life can come to an end. If you don't know Jesus today, I urge you. I plead with you. I would beg you if it would help, but you can't come unless the Father draws you. But when He does, don't push Him back because of some silly sin that you think you can't do without. Let me, get, let me tell you something today. You get filled with Jesus. You won't need that sin to try to fulfill yourself anymore. He will take the place of that sin. I guarantee double to you. When He comes in and you taste living water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How you won't have to shoot up, you won't have to toke up, and you won't have to drink up. Can you say, man? You won't have to numb yourself to the re- realities of a fallen world. You can have a genuine peace and a genuine joy and a genuine hope in your life that nothing can cancel and nothing can quench. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Job, why don't you curse God and die? He's done you wrong. He said, there's something beyond this world. There's something beyond the grave. There's something beyond physical death. I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, He's going to stand on the earth. He saw it all. And when He stands up, along with you and me and everyone that's trusted Christ, we're going to stand up with Him. And He said, the skin worms will eat. Before this happens, if, if I die, or when I die, not if, it's going to occur, whether then or later. No, the skin worms, and they did. You know, God don't need a mummy to raise you up. He don't need some part of you. Those are skin worms. Skin worms eat all the flesh off of my bones. When he stands up, I'm going to stand up with him. In my flesh, he said. Just like he's standing up with flesh and bone. Hallelujah. Praise God. And because of that hope, hope of what? Hope of the resurrection. The resurrection and the Redeemer who would give us that wonderful privilege and honor and gift. He got his mind off himself, his suffering. Quit questioning God. And by the way, when he had all that trouble, it's because he was right with God, not wrong with God. Because of his perfect heart. Not because of something wrong with him. I've heard certain hyper-faith preachers say, well, he had that that he greatly feared come upon him. If he'd been walking in faith, it could have never happened. No, it wasn't because he was imperfect. God said, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? So you've got that preacher telling you he was imperfect. God said he was. I'm going with God. His trouble, everybody's trouble is not because of their sin. And not because of their lack of faith. Some of, it is, some of it is because you're so identified with Jesus. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But when they cast your name out as evil, for righteousness sake, rejoice. And be what kind of glad? Exceedingly glad. That's a greater gladness than just happy. That's beyond happy. Hallelujah. That's why the psalmist said, he's made me glad more than at the time when their wine and corn did increase. They're happy over their material blessings. I got something that can't be compared with material blessings. Eternal life. Eternal hope. Peace now. Hallelujah. Peace for the now in my life. Glory be to God. Jesus is alive and well today. And we're going to leave here shouting in just a moment. I want to read one verse of scripture from the book of Revelation. Don't say amen to any part of this. I'll keep on preaching, and you know I will. I'm just kidding. You can't say amen. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 10 through verse 18. Listen carefully. I was in the Spirit, he said, on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. Send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, unto Thyatira, and to Sardis, and unto Philadelphia and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His 
hid, and his hairs were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Hades and death. The grave and death. That's exactly why the Apostle Paul said, O death, where's your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Can you say man? And that victory becomes our victory in Jesus Christ because the third thing in Ephesus 1 in verse 17 says, I want you to know by what? Revelation. I want you to know by revelation the hope of your calling. The riches of His inheritance in the saints. How much He loves you. The price He paid for you. What He's done to redeem you. Amen. And that you are His prized possession. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? I want you to know that. And I want you to know something else to help you in the here and now. And that is His power to usward who believe which He wrought in Christ. To usward. Say to usward. That's available to you today in the here and in the now. His power to usward who believe which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Romans chapter 8 says, If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the same Spirit, the same power, the same person. Can you say man? If the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, hallelujah, he will quicken your mortal body. What does that mean? He'll give the same life that Jesus had when He rose up to you. Praise God. That means your your body may... Your body will if Jesus tarries. Your body will fail one of these days. But when it does, it will not touch you. Because you are who lives in this body. Hallelujah. And though the outward man... Perish. The inward man is renewed day by day by day. That's why Jesus says at the tomb of Lazarus in the face of death itself, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me, he shall never die. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus indwell you. And I'm going to tell you, when you get saved, God comes to indwell you. Can you say, man? So inside of me right now, praise God. I heard a preacher preaching about this, and, and his, uh, his wife was pregnant. <laughs> and, and I remember when my wife was pregnant with our first child. And I would come home from work at Tampa Electric. And, and, uh, and, and this is our early second child then, uh, Matthew. I remember in particular, I paid more attention when her second child. I didn't want to miss a thing. She'd have bobby pins. Remember bobby pins? That you, 
Anybody still use? My dad used to use it because he was getting thin and he would wrap his hair around and pin it with bobby pins. And I, thought, I thought, you know, bald is beautiful. Just, you know, bobby pins are not that pretty. But anyway, on a man in particular, holding up hair that don't belong where he's got it pulled. But he was happy. And so if he's happy, it's okay. But she'd have a, a thing of bobby pins working on her hair and, you know, Pregnant Matthews, and we called him Rumble Rump because you could actually see him moving around in her belly. You could see her belly go up like that. And he would kick inside the womb, and Bobby Pins would go everywhere. <laughs> and I thought, boy. And you'd smack, <laughs> you'd smack her back and say, Be still. <laughs> Amen. It ain't time yet. But this pastor, because of the life of Christ living in him and the anointing on him to preach, he said, he said I've never been pregnant. But I feel life kicking around on the inside of me right now. Hallelujah. I've never been pregnant. I don't intend to get pregnant. But I'm going to tell you something. I feel life kicking around on the inside of me this resurrection Sunday morning. Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. How many are glad that Jesus rose from the dead? How many want to know more about your, His inheritance in you and me? More about the hope of your calling. It's not a given. It's not old hat. It's something you're still interested in and intrigued by. Hallelujah. How many want to know Him in the power of His resurrection? The Holy Spirit's here today to revive us, Brother Terry. Glory to God. I'm going to ask a question before we sing and go home. Is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Celebration Sunday, you've felt the tug of God. And you want to be in that number when the saints really go marching in. Out of every kindred, every tongue, and every nation, they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And they're coming. They're coming to Christ out of every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. Hallelujah. You have that ready to go? Did I hand you? All right. Praise God. Anyone in the room, just lift your hand. Let God see it. We'll pray with you before we leave right now. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. All right. We're assuming everyone is ready. Someone's going to hear this message on radio and come to Christ. Someone's going to hear this message rather through the website and come to Jesus. There's no doubt about it. His touch is on it. Somebody's going to come to Jesus. Don't be left out of that number. And for those of you that are Christian and you're satisfied in your soul, but you want to know more about Jesus, you want to this year be a year of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that you can grow in your faith and grow in the Lord, and all of that fear and worry and trepidation be taken away. Praise God, because you know your Redeemer lives. And not only at the last day will he stand, but because he lives, he can keep a personal promise to you and me. Hallelujah. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And yea, though I walk, therefore, through the valley of the shadow of death, Brother Hobbs, I will fear no evil, for thou, Lord, art with me. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I got up this morning. And I got up to a world filled with trouble, terrorism, political craziness. Lord, have mercy on us this election season.
we have a crisis of leadership in America on both sides. We don't have people on either side that I, well, we, you know, we just don't have anybody we can put our trust in. But we can trust in our God in spite of it all today. And when I rose up this morning, I rose up to a world of trouble everywhere you turn, every nation, globally. Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking at the things which are coming upon the earth, signifying the last of the last days, the beginning, entering into that time of Jacob's trouble that is looming. The coming of Jesus is near. But when I rose up this morning, <laughs> in light of the resurrection of my sovereign and my Savior, I didn't have any doubt that everything in my life is going to be okay in spite of it all. When I rose up this morning, I didn't have no doubt that God is going to take care of me and mine. And I'm so glad to be one of His sheep. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be one of His children. 